this is your USA Profiles. I'm your host, Abigail Jacobs, joined on this episode by the President and First Vice President of the Gunawage Royal Canadian Legion Branch 219. Ray Deer of the U.S. Army and Tara Jacobs, who served in the Marine Corps, share their experiences from enlisting, serving, and what it means to them being a Gunawage veteran. Eagle's Nest Convenience and Lafleur's Restaurant, located on Route 207. Eagle's Nest, open daily from 8 to 11. Pick up something fresh from their deli counter. Open 8 to 6 on weekdays and 10 to 5 on Saturdays. And while you're out, grab some takeout or call in for delivery at Lafleur's Restaurant, open 11 to 7 from Sunday to Wednesday and 11 to 8 from Thursday to Saturday. All your needs in one convenient location. So just to start today, if you could just introduce yourselves to our listeners, maybe give us a bit about yourself and how they might know you here in the community. Hi, my name is Ray Deer. I am the uh, current president of the uh, Royal Canadian Legion here in Gunawage, a former member of the uh, Royal Montreal Regiment, the Canadian Forces, and also a former or retired uh, U.S. Army veteran of uh, 21 years. Hi, my name is uh, Tara Jacobs. I'm the first voice of the Royal Canadian Legion in Gunawage. I was in the Marine Corps for four years. Thank you. I would like to start with knowing back at the beginning, starting at the beginning, when did you enlist and where were you stationed? I enlisted in 1991. Actually, I was 17 at the time. So my mother had to sign for me. I went in um, February 1st. I went to boot camp. So I was in from 92 to 96, Paris Island. I did my boot camp. After that, I went to Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Johnson. And then I was stationed in California. I went to Somalia. And my last year in the service, I was in Iwakuni, Japan. Henry, when did you enlist? I'm planning to do it within a week or two. (laughs) (laughs) You're never, you know, age is nothing but a number. You can never be. (laughs) Uh, Actually, uh, when I first decided to join, uh, I was going to McGill. I was going to be a phys ed teacher. Uh, As you know, uh, you played sports for us, and I was always a coach or uh, involved with sports. And when I was at McGill, I I missed a lot of classes, (laughs) you know, so... I decided that I needed a new path. I didn't know what that was. Decided to walk downtown Montreal and seeing the uh, Canadian Forces recruiting uh, station. Oh, and being a kid that played war and you know did things like that, I said, hey, let me go check this out. And I actually did. I stopped in with the intention that I'm not joining, nothing, you know. And Just after seeing ta- what it's about. Yeah, after talking to him. Lo and behold, I was, he said, your regiment is right down there. He had me sign the papers and I, next thing you know, I was in the Canadian forces, you know, and uh, it was the reserves. I kind of liked that. Uh, I liked the discipline, the, uh, everything that is uh, attached to being in a military, you know, very organized. uh, And a lot of the Canadian forces uh, guys and gals that I served with were saying, if I had the opportunity, I'd join the U.S. Better pension, better money, you know, and, and I wasn't thinking of, of that. But then I told them, I said, I can do that. You know, I can cross the border and join the U.S. And they went, yeah. oh, yeah, right. You know, and, and I said, yes, I can. And I actually did. I told them, you know, uh, that's my plan now. And so after two years, 
uh, in the Canadian forces and the reserves and actually enjoying it. I went joined the U.S. and stayed for 21 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so where were you stationed in those times? Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> went to boot camp in uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey. Then I went to do my advanced training at Fort Sam Houston in Texas. Uh, then from there, I came back home, did a little recruiting hmm. at Plattsburgh, you know, as a hometown recruiter. Uh, from there, I went to do my OJT at West Point. Uh, after I finished my OJT, now I was, I had an actual trade, you know, I was in the uh, medical corps. And my first duty station was Fort Sill, Oklahoma. From Fort Sill, Oklahoma, I got deployed to Central America, to Honduras, during the uh, uh, Contra conflict, you know. Yeah. After that, as soon as we got back uh, to the States after deployment, I had orders for Germany. You know, no chance to even wash my clothes. You're going to Germany. Oh, like, my gosh. Well, yeah. So I told my wife, and she said, goodbye. No. <laughs> <laughs> she said, oh, my God. Make sure you leave the checks. <laughs> so went to Germany, did seven years in Germany. Loved it. You know, didn't want to leave. You know, after that, I was reassigned after the Gulf War to West Point, which I had been at before. Yeah. Kind of worked my way up the ranks. Uh, and uh, my last duty station was Fort Irwin, California. You know, and that's when I decided to throw my uh, combat boots over the clothesline or on the tree and, and come back home. Wow. That's awesome. And here in Gunawange, we have such a rich history of community members who have served. What was it like you mentioned, you know, you were just kind of in school and looking for a different path. What inspired you to enlist, Tara? To be honest, I wasn't ready to go on to college. Yeah. And I don't know, I guess for some reason, I just said, ah, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. I love their uniform. Of all the different, you're like, there's lots of different things I could do. I like that one the best. I mean, you know, our uncle was in, in the service. And so I just said, well, I'm going to join. I Like I said, I wasn't ready to go on to college and took a different path. Yeah. How did your families uh, feel about you guys choosing this path? Do you remember? Well, for me, I didn't have a, in my family, my immediate family, we didn't have a military history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I wasn't influenced, I guess, in that way. But as a young person, I remember the Legion parades. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what sparked my interest. And actually, where they used to set up near Howard's, if people remember where Howard's was, you know, Jordan Lills, Howard's. Okay. And it was during the uh, Vietnam War era. And uh, here were all the boys from town, older than me. But they were all dressed in their uniforms, the guys from the U.S. Navy, the Canadian Forces, uh, the Marine Corps, the Army. And they were all lined up. And during uh, Vietnam, we had 103 community members that joined during that time, a little bit before my time. Uh, so, But it was inspiring, impressive, you name it. You know, it just kind of, wow. Look at these guys, you know, and they were all doing what we do, joke around, you know, <laughs> rubbing elbows and having Comrades. a good time. Yeah. And once they started with the Black Watch, who's been part of our parade for every year, they started marching off. Here's all the kids my age were marching with them. Yeah. You know, and it was like, whoa, you know, that that was a big influence. That was 
when I had decided it was something I might want to do. You, mm-hmm. know? you don't know if you're actually going to do it, but, you know, that was ingrained in me. And then when you did enlist, how, how did your family react knowing that you'd be taking this journey? Well, my brother was happy because he had the room to himself. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I guess they, you know, like my mother was uh, a bit concerned, you know. But, you know, basically um, I wasn't pushed forward by any of them, you know, whatever path I was going to go on. You know, they were going to support me in it. And they did throughout my time in the military, both militaries. And you had mentioned you were only 17, Tara, when you enlisted. Your mom had to yep. sign the papers for she you. Had to sign. Like, like what, Ray, uh, what Ray said, for me, there's no like military in the family except on my father's side. And um, my mother was supportive. I mean, she signed. Yeah. So, you know, it was just something that I wanted to do. And she supported me and my siblings did as well. And when I graduated boot camp, my mother, uh, my father came. So it was, uh, they supported, you know. Good. Cool. And um, what do you remember most about training and serving? For me, it's the, the hardship. Uh, in order to succeed, it's hard. It's not an easy life, many obstacles. But the thing that I think was uh, a good part of it is as you went over each obstacle, you finished basic training, you went to the rifle range, you know, there were challenges in front of you on a daily basis. So uh, once you got over those obstacles, you realize that, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, you know? I'm not bad, I'm not great. But, but I did it. Yeah, I got over that obstacle, you know, whether you crawl around, uh, you know, underneath, on the top, but once you got on the other side, it was like, what's next? Yeah. And it all becomes challenges and, and it's always in front of you. That's what I think was, uh, you know, what kept me going. Yeah. And it's like, it's that personal challenge too, right? Yeah. Like It's it's like you, you played sports in your life and you see this other team that comes in and, oh my God, look how big they are or how good they are. And then you beat them yeah. or you, you outdo them, you know, and you're like, well, where's the next team, you know, or <laughs> what's, what's the next thing to do? For me, um, going to training, I, I wasn't athletic as, you know, as a kid in that. So going to boot camp, it was a challenge. And in the beginning, I couldn't climb the rope. So one of my drill instructors said, you're not going to make it, you're going to fail. So that pushed me even more. And when the time came to redo it, I was able to climb the rope. (laughs) And I graduated and, you know, the training that it instills in you. And for me, like being away from home, that was, you know. It's a whole other hardship. Yeah. And you can't come home every weekend. You know, I was in California, so... I miss New Year's, I miss Christmas sometimes. And, but for me, it's learning to live on your own, that like all the stuff that I, I've learned and instilled in me, and I, to this day, you know, I still use it. So for me, it was, I, I don't regret ever going in. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like one of my life's best experiences besides, you know, having my children and that, so. No, it's all a part of what has made you who you are today, these experiences. And what about... You guys mentioned you've seen many parts of the world in serving. What kind of things do you remember about that, about your experiences traveling? Well, for me, California, I went there. Like, that's where I spent like three years. Mm -hmm. So that was, I mean, you get used to it. But when I, we went to Somalia, so I served in, uh, in Somalia. I wasn't there long for maybe uh, 
a month and a half. But seeing all the kids, like I, I went, I was able to visit an orphanage. Mm -hmm. You're riding down the highway, you see uh, maybe a nine, 10 year old boy with an AK-47 in their hand, you know, and so it's, it's in the back of your mind, like, will I have to, you know, what will I have to do and that? And so it, that was an experience. And then my last year in Japan, mainland Japan, Iwakuni. So I got to go to, you know, different places. And mm -hmm. so it's an experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it if I never joined the service, mm -hmm. get to travel and that. So, but, and that's the thing too, that goes with it is always like, I mean, it's not just that, oh, we're traveling, you know, it's, it's the job and it's part of serving and, and doing the job as well. Yes. It, you know, I gave it all I, I had. I would have stayed in, but back in my time, I mean, we served way before me, but things started to change. Yeah. So it got a little bit like more lenient hmm. and I didn't care for the way it was where you had like, say a private or a Lance Corporal telling off uh, an NCO, like, you know, okay. back talking and not getting reprimanded. So. Okay. Changing yeah. with the times. Changing, yeah. yes. And especially there's always that, um, like, I don't want to say a stereotype, but there is like that knowledge and that, that respect that when you're going into the service, you do, you have these, you have your ranks and your respects and all these different kinds of things. And yeah, that's got to be something exactly. that throws you off. Yeah. And if you start seeing with the times that people's demeanors and everything are changing about it, it kind of. That's, that's what threw me off because I, I would have liked to stayed in, you know, longer, maybe not a whole 21 years like Ray, but you know, maybe another four years, but that just threw me off. So. Yeah. That's a, I, I like that though. That's an interesting reason to, uh, you know, have your, your morals and your values questioning that and say, okay, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready yeah. to. It's like you work say three, three years to get to the position of, uh, an NCO, mm -hmm. you know, you, you work your butt off and then you have somebody that just tells you, no, I'm not going to do it or, you know, tells you off and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to write you up and no, well, slap on the hand. So, Just going off what Tara was saying, there was a, uh, a lull during a period of time where all the military got kind of lax. Huh. You know what I mean? Uh, it took some other NCOs, especially after the Vietnam era, you know, we had the Vietnam NCOs. Uh, what they experienced, they were more casual, you know, and then a bunch of them, you know, that were hardcore military, you know, in all the services. The last group of Vietnam vets that didn't want to see what they had experienced in uh, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. They wanted it to be more rigid and it changed. The culture had changed where exactly what Tyra was saying, people were not paying respect to your rank. Mm -hmm. It became a more of a, like you were in a club, mm -hmm. you know, and all of a sudden that changed. I know when I was in Germany, there was a Sergeant Major. We called him Gorgeous George. Apparently, the girls thought he was the <laughs> best-looking Sergeant Major. But he he changed the culture by emphasizing changing. I was in the medical corps, and he would tell us, you know, we were saying, well, we got to take care of patients. we got to do this. And he didn't care. He says, once a week, you're going to do just military. You're going to come out of the hospital and you're going to do training for a whole day, once a week. So they can't get you to come out here for, you know, just CTT, which was combat uh, training, you know, and uh, he wanted to make it more realistic. So the culture changed. And I found with that, it was a new respect for, for rank. 
I never had a problem with it because of what those senior NCOs started doing. Mm -hmm. And this had to be like in uh, just before the 90s, you know, before I uh, went to Germany, all of a sudden it changed, you know, and uh, we no longer were wearing what's called a specialist rank. You know, we still have a specialist rank, which is a corporal, but they call it specialist. And it used to go from specialist to spec five, six, seven. So you had a specialist rank and that meant that they specialized in something. Okay. They weren't necessarily in charge of soldiers, you know, doing soldier things like the infantry or, you know, the tankers. And this sergeant major across the board wanted to change that. He made everybody what's called hard stripes. If you were a specialist, you're just going to do it as a, as a corporal or an E4. The next rank, he wanted you to be trained to lead soldiers, not to be uh, the specialist in your, your job. Mm -hmm. And that changed. And I, I felt that it also changed the respect level, you know, all of a sudden. And I, to me, I didn't have a problem after that. I used to tell them, hey, I outrank you and I'm in charge of you. Guess what? I'm your worst nightmare, <laughs> you know. And uh, some of them would come up. Uh, I joined the army and I'm, I'm in the medical corps. How come I got to go do this training? I said, because on the one side it says us army, U.S. Army. I said, it doesn't say that hospital. I yeah. Said, you're, you're a soldier. Yep. Bottom line. So it changed. Cool. And um, did being First Nations impact your experience at all? For me, I, I wouldn't, not so much. No, I mean, uh, I think it was more being from Canada. They oh. notice your accent. Really? Or you say, hey, hey, oh, you're from Canada. We know <laughs> because, hey, hey. Yeah. But no, I, I wouldn't say for me. No. Okay. For me, I used our native background to 100 per, Well, you know me, uh, Abigail, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, when I became a senior NCO E7 and I walked into my new section, it was a requirement for the new NCO to introduce yourself. What am I all, uh, what am I all about? Yeah. Uh, you know, what are the things that you should expect from me? And I would base my, well, you know, I always write down everything, right? Yeah. Take that away from <laughs> me, I'm lost. <laughs> so I would always have what I'm trying to say and I... I no, when I went to Fort Irwin, you know, soldiers want to know who's coming on board, who's going to be the new leader, you know. So they were talking to each other. Hey, you know this Sergeant Deer? Who is he? And, oh, he's a, a Native American. He's Indian. He's, you know, you got to watch out. He's a tough guy. Or, or you know, someone would say, well, he'll listen to you. But I, I decided to use Native background, if you want to say. And I said, I said, well, I'm your new uh, senior NCO. And uh, I'm Native American. And uh, just think about it. You know, this is the U.S. Army. And at one time, the U.S. Army tried to get rid of all the Native Americans. You know, just think about it. Now it's a Native American that's in charge with, of you. And I said, uh, I'm going to do things my way. And uh, I've heard through the military about Indian time. I said, yes, we are going to do things by Indian time. But according to my rules... Indian time means you better be on time. Don't say, well, uh, you know, it's Indian time. I showed up when I can. And so I eliminated that. And that was. <laughs> I'm the Indian yeah. in town. It's yeah. my time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, just stuff like that. So I used that background and I did the same thing in the 
when I was in the Canadian forces, you know, and, and the ones that come and visit us from the Royal Montreal Regiment, they remember, you know, the things I did. I was kind of, well, as you know, Abigail, a little bit off the wall, you know, so different sense of humor, you know. So, but I've always used uh, our background and I would tell them, hey, our people have been involved in every conflict on this continent. There was not a time when the Europeans came here and they didn't have us as allies, mm -hmm. you know. And as I said, after being allies, now you let us be in charge and you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now, do you get to, do you keep in touch a lot with your old comrades? Two. Yeah. I've tried to like locate the fellow, you know, uh, service members that I served with, but it's like, they're not on Facebook. Oh. But the one, one of my um, roommates, actually, we we're in the same uh, platoon and boot camp. We we're um, the same field. Yeah. We served, we went to Somalia and, and then, you know, well, I, I got out, she stayed in. And it was only, I believe, maybe about five years ago, I would search for her on Facebook and she remarried. So she had a different last name. Okay. So then we reconnected and stuff like that. So, but I mean, I, I would like to reconnect with other, you know, other service uh, members that I, that I've served with, but I haven't found them. Hmm. Not yet. Not yet. Mm -hmm. But that's cool. And especially somebody who you came up training with and serving with and, yeah. and you got to reconnect with her. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Same with uh, me. Uh, if it wasn't for Facebook, uh, you know, I've uh, uh, got in touch with a lot of my uh, former soldiers, you know, that were in charge of me, uh, you know, under my uh, my supervision. And uh, it's it's pretty neat. You know, Army is a bigger corps than uh, the Marine Corps. So, you know, we, we got a lot of people. You know, so, <laughs> so there's a lot more people you can get in touch with. And then when I return home, the regiment that I was with is in uh, Westmount. Okay. And uh, I was telling uh, Eugene Montour, who was our president at the time, he said, hey, I used to be in, the, like I said, in the Canadian Forces. And he was like, oh, okay. You know? <laughs> but as we went to a convention for uh, the Legion, you know, provincial uh, convention, provincial command, I started walking. I said, hey, those are the guys, you know, from my regiment. Lo and behold, I was I, as we were walking towards them, one of them, who was their president at the uh, regiment, Fitzgerald, you know, he looks and he goes, Ray Deer, <laughs> 1978. No like, way. And I was like, whoa, you know. You still look exactly so no, the no, same. <laughs> no, I, I just looked at Eugene and I went, see, I told you. <laughs> so that was one thing. And then, like I said, I keep in touch with all the rest of the soldiers. Uh, one example that she's talking about, your roommate. Uh, I have a lifelong friend and it was funny. When I was going to OJT, he was there. Hmm. And I went there as uh, to go do my training. He was leaving. So we, we kind of met each other, you know. And uh said, hey, this is a, it was Sergeant Graffenreed, you know. Sergeant Graffenreed, hey, he was a private deer. And we met each other. And then next thing you know, when I was in Central America, now I was leaving. And my replacement, because we both worked in X-Ray, he was the replacement not just him, but his whole company. And okay. I was like, hey, I know you. And he goes, yeah, I know you. Weren't you at West Point? And I go, yeah. 
He says, I was leaving. You were, yeah, and we were doing the same thing. Yeah. So now I'm in Germany. I'm stationed in Germany. I had been there a couple of years. And uh, I get a, we used to get, if you were going to sponsor someone, mm -hmm. someone that was coming into country, you had to sponsor their family, send them a letter. Hey, this is what the unit's all about. And I look at the name and I go, and it's, his name was Graf and Reed. You know, there's not too many people that no. have yeah. And I'm looking at it, Graf and Reed. So I have to call him. You know, that's the requirement. Okay. It's given to you. So get on the phone and, uh, yes, I'm your sponsor, um, you know, Sergeant Deer, uh, uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? And as he started talking, I go, and this is the truth. I said, now you're an African-American. And he goes, yeah. And I said, and you wear glasses? I go, he goes, yeah. And I said, and you got really big feet. <laughs> this guy had like war size 15. I remembered that, you know, and I was like, you know, he's the guy that when he came down the hall, his shoes were coming around the corner before him. <laughs> anyway, anyways, I had remembered that. And I said, and you have really big feet? Pause. And he goes, yes, I do. I said, I know who you are. Weren't you at West Point? He goes, yeah. And then I said, you were, you replaced me in uh, Central America. He goes, yeah. Oh, dear. I said, yes. <laughs> oh, dear. The tag team. <laughs> and we stay friends to this day. So it stays with you. That's awesome. Long story. <laughs> that's what that's what we're here for. And now uh, you're both doing work with the Legion. Uh, you're the the acting president and. Wait a minute! I'm not acting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so you are the current yeah, president okay. and vice yeah. first vice first vice. First vice. Cool. So what does that mean? And and what do you guys? Uh, what do you like to do? What what does it mean to be involved with the Legion for you? Well, for me, like the first voice is in the event where he's not available, I would replace him. I haven't had to do it yet, which is great. <laughs> but I mean, um, I take pointers. So whenever, you know, I listen and sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to do it. So, so, I mean, when I first got out of the service in 96, I joined the Legion and then I had my child. So... I, I let my membership go for like years. And what brought me back, and I always tell everybody, was a fellow Marine passed away, Sweeney Deer. He passed away and he's, his service was at, at Legion. And we went and seeing the service that the Legion offers to, to veterans, the members, I was like, man, this is what I want when I pass away. The next day or whatever, I join back to Legion. Mm -hmm. And so I, I became the secretary. I was the secretary for a few years. And then I was the second vice. And then, well, we didn't have elections due to COVID. So two years ago, I was the first vice. So for me, it's just, I, I mean, I, I like interacting with, you know, fellow veterans. My point, what I would like to put out there is I'd like to see more female veterans yeah. active to take part in the ceremonies. Because as it is right now, there's, there's two females, two female veterans who sit on the executive board, mm -hmm. myself and, and Louise Marquis. But there's so many more female veterans in the community, and I would love to see them participate. Actually, I think last year I did put it out on Facebook, our Legion uh, Facebook page, you know, asking more females to come out and, and you know, participate. It's like when veterans pass away, I may not know them, mm -hmm. but I still go out there 
and I pay my respects because I want that when my time happens. Yep. So it's just to pay respect and being part of the Legion. I mean, uh, I enjoy it. I, you know, it was, it was unfortunate. I couldn't be there this weekend for the parade, mm. but uh, I've been the, uh, the MC, I believe for the past four years. Yep. So I missed it this year, but I'll be back next year. But it's just I, I enjoy uh, the camaraderie and, you know, just talking about the past. I mean, everybody always has stories. Just two weeks ago, we were all sitting there telling stories. So, you know, it's I, I enjoy it. And I mean, I'll be uh, I'll be a part of the Legion for many years to come. And kind of the same with me. I think uh, it what you said kind of hit home uh it's uh, the passing of Thomas Dell. Our numbers are becoming less and less every year. Hmm. I mean, but we do have a lot of veterans in the community for whatever reason. Some of it could be because, you know, we, we used to call it shell shock, but a lot of them have PTSD and they just don't want to deal with it, you know, and, and it's tough. Yeah. I think we all have our flashbacks of something. So mm -hmm. imagine if it uh, just dealt with uh, uh, death around you, you know especially with comrades and friends. But for whatever reason, we just don't have as much participation. And that's that's what we need. Uh, as we become smaller and smaller, we need veterans to come out. Veterans know how to take care of stuff. You, you've experienced it. You've seen it. So you, you think with the same mind, mm -hmm. regardless of what branch of service you were in. But like everything else here in Gunawage, time is a factor. You know, we're all busy. We do a lot of busy time, regardless of what it is. Uh, but I think when a veteran passes, uh, that's when we need to stop being busy and we need to do the right thing. And we've carried on that tradition, you know, of burying our veterans. Mm -hmm. It's not a requirement for the Legion. You know, some people were saying, well, the Legion has to take care of the veteran when he... It's not. We're neither a burial detail. Uh, we're not a funeral parlor. Mm -hmm. So we try to do our best to put together something. You know, but you're yeah. doing that because you want to. You're oh, yeah. doing that out well, of honor and respect. I think, I think we do it because we, we know we have to. <laughs> you know, all of us want, just like Tara was saying, we want that respect when we're, we leave this world mm -hmm. and we're going to the spirit world. You know, I want a flag draped on my coffin. I want to hear probably the last bugle, uh, you know. And uh, that, that's part of the legacy of this town. But we need our uh, vets to come out and do that. We can't do it without our veterans, you know. And having a handful uh, try to put that on, we've, we've pulled it off. But numbers show exactly what we're all about, you know. And so the more people that can come out and participate, uh, meaning veterans, then uh, the better sending off of a, a veteran that passed into the spirit world uh, uh, will be. You know, it's, it's an honor to do that, you know. And when we finish each time that we bury a veteran, we sit down and we talk about old times. We talk about that person, you know, whether it was good, bad, uh, you know. There's, we always have stories about uh, each other. Yeah. And uh, But I think uh, for that moment is when you, you put all of that away, good, bad, there's a veteran and we need to take care of them. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. And at the Legion, you know, you're saying you find a lot of that camaraderie. And if there are people who have veterans who have gone through or 
experiencing things like PTSD and and things like that, you're able to to come together. And like you said, you're you come from the same kind of places and and you have those experiences together that you can help support each other in those kinds of ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, we're not professionals. No, none of us are by any means professional. You know, there are professionals that could take care of people that have PTSD, but we're there as a uh, talk to me. You know, and if you feel comfortable, tell me, tell me about your, your experience. Because veterans will always talk to veterans, but we'll never talk about the deep things uh, in us. That that belongs to us. Each each veteran has things that uh, they just they're never going to share. No, but if you need somebody to commiserate with, you need somebody to and to share the good and the bad and and just have that understanding, that connection. Yeah. It's somewhere that you guys have found that. Yep. That's awesome. And um, of course, being part of the Legion, and as you mentioned, you do the parades, and and I know you from doing a lot of work in the schools and always traveling and speaking and all these kinds of things, and, and the outreach that you're able to do, uh, what kind of different programs or things have you guys done with that? Well, he could speak more because uh, on it. Because he talks. Because he's... <laughs> no. He's retired. I still have a job. So there's sometimes where I can't go to the schools, you know, during Remembrance Day. And I know that every year he goes, I think I've, I've done it once. But uh, he, Ray would be able to speak more of it. Well, it's not only me. It's actually Pitt, you know, Peter Jacobs, uh, yep. who's a, a former U.S. Army uh, veteran. You know, I mean, he's still a, a U.S. Army veteran, not former, but former active duty. And we sat down and just like you were saying, at the Legion, camaraderie, you know, we're sitting down and we said, why don't we have a museum or something? You mm. know, uh, Children don't want to hear stories all the time. You, know, you lose their attention in a couple of minutes. So they want to see things. It has to be visual. You know, so we sat down and we said, we don't have a museum, so let's make a mobile museum and and we can bring it to them. And. That's what we've uh, been doing now for several years. Uh, as a matter of fact, coming to this, I left Peter uh, at Cattery School, put him on the spot because now he has to, I'm, I'm the one that's out. Everybody knows I'm the one that does all the talking, right? I'm, I'm the big mouth. Mm -hmm. And Peter doesn't mind being there, you know, throwing in a couple of comments, but. Today he's he, leading. Yeah, he's not a, uh, <laughs> you know. And I told him, I said, I have to come and do this interview. And we had a couple of more classes left, you know, and, and it's just sharing it with the kids. Yep. You know what I mean? And if they don't see things, we don't show them things, then it, it won't be ingrained in their, their mind or psyche. Mm -hmm. you know? So if you see something, you know, maybe 10 years, hey, didn't you bring that, you know, mannequin or was a, a see, ship? The uniforms or, yeah. or the, yeah, the models yeah. Yeah. and... And a lot of them will tell us, my grandfather was in the, you know, the service and, you know, whatever branch. And, and so it brings out that type of uh, interaction, you know. So you know, we've been doing that for a while now. And, and uh, even during the pandemic, we just put up a display. We couldn't be in the building. Mm. But uh, luckily, Cattery has always uh, supported us. You know, come Remembrance Day, I guarantee you it'll be a bunch of kids from Cadre, not the whole school, but come out and do our little celebration. And, you know, that shows the teacher's influence in having them remember. And uh, for things like Remembrance Day, what do, what do these times mean to you? It brings back like, you know, memories, 
you pay to me it's you're paying respect to your fellow veterans who gave their lives you know and i think it's a time to remember everybody and to just be there and give the time that you have come thursday i'll be at the cenotaph you know and it's just uh it's something i mean it's a somber time but it's also it's it's a time to to get together and to be together and be there for one another that that's the way i see it yeah, and like I said, Remembrance Day is not only a day to remember, but for uh, many of us to to react, to show our respect. We always do it uh, the Saturday before the actual Remembrance Day here in mm -hmm. Gunawagi. Uh, that's been a tradition for years because the very first parade was 1951, and uh, Cyclone Taylor had invited the Black Watch to come and do a parade. It was actually Lachine's parade but he convinced them to come and do the parade over here. Okay. And they were able to get the pipes and drums. It's not Remembrance Day unless you have the pipes and drums and mm -hmm. the, the bugles and, you know, that's the heart of the military, you know, mm -hmm. just like our drums at powwows, that's the heartbeat of Mother Earth, you know, well, yeah. that's the heartbeat of the military. We march to the drums, you know, left, right, you know, boom, boom, you know, you're, you're listening to it. So without having them, it's, it's really not Remembrance Day. So last year, they were not here. Mm. It was a totally different animal. We were, okay, we went through all the motions, and, but we didn't have the marching aspect. Yeah. You know? And us as military, guess what? <laughs> we marched. Yeah. We marched everywhere. You know? Anywhere that you went when you were in service, you didn't walk. There was more than three of you. Somebody had to be in charge and you had to march. You just, yeah. you know, like in town, you see a couple of buddies together, you know. Hey, let's go. You know, can't do that in the military. Sergeant Major sees you on base, right? Walking, lollygagging, as the yeah. word is called. He'll yell, what are you doing lollygagging on my, you know. <laughs> I get chewed out. What unit are you from? And you can't lie. It's, yeah. it's right under <laughs> uniform. <laughs> well, I'm with the, no. So you, you. It's ingrained yeah, that you're yeah. going to march. Yeah, you're going to march. So having the band, you know, it puts that, that, that thing front and center, you know. Yep. And when you march, you know, once the pipes and drums and, you know, you, you stand up straight, you know, and, and you go along with it, you know. And when it's all done, you kind of just like, oh, <laughs> say, I'm glad it's not far. <laughs> anymore <laughs> and um do you have any advice to anybody who's out there thinking of enlisting well for me i would say give it a try you know it's for me it was a experience of a lifetime like i said you know i gained so much knowledge you, i mean i left home at 17 well i just turned 18 you know for four years i had to live on my own you have you you gain so much experience independence you get to see different cultures different ways of life and during my experience well I, I i was able to go to somalia you see you know the way people live mm -hmm. the people the starving the starvation and that and you get to help you get to assist and that's that's like an accomplishment you know and so i would if if anybody is interested, any, you know, youths or teenagers that are maybe have an inkling of joining the service, 
I would say go ahead and do it. I mean, right now it's knock on wood that, you know, there's no conflicts in that. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's an experience of a lifetime. And I mean, you'll always come back home. You know, I, like I said, I did four years. Ray did 21 mm -hmm. and came back home. Yeah. So Gunawag is always going to be here for you. You know, get out there, experience life. That's, that's what I say. Yeah. Right now I get to, I won't say relive, but uh, I get to go back and re-experience being on military installations because my son Brightcloud is in the service. Matter mm. of fact, he just got promoted to sergeant. And as I was saying on Facebook, you know, you have a connection with all your former soldiers. And, and so I had some of my majors, my colonels, uh, you know, that uh, were my commanders. And they started writing back to me, OMG, oh, I can't believe this. Who, who allowed this to happen? We only need one sergeant deer to be living. <laughs> and now we have another one. And my son was telling me after he got promoted and... They don't call you that until you get that rank. And he says that morning before he got pinned, he was walking around and a couple of his soldiers just, you know, showing uh, respect. Hey, how you doing, Sergeant Deer? My son said for a second, he said, I thought my father was here. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's never been, he's always associated with, you know, because he grew up as an army brat. So yeah. So you are Sergeant Deer and now... Yeah, well, now I'm being replaced. So yeah. It's okay. <laughs> but that's the legacy, you know what I mean? I never pushed them to join. Kind of like Tara, you know, and myself. We've seen other veterans and the veterans in this community, and that was the, the way to push forward. But mm -hmm. I have to commend uh, Tara because that, you know, how many females in this uh, community or even throughout the world would think of joining? That's a heck of a thing to do. You know what I mean? And uh, and it shows. And I think one year at the Legion, I wanted to change the atmosphere because we always thought of it as a, a men's club, you know, a good old boys place. And, and I kept saying, uh, you know, how come we don't do a special honor for our female veterans? Hmm. And, uh, and we didn't make that happen. You know what I mean? Where we talked about it and we said, hey, let's do this. We had all our uh, female veterans, and they showed up. There was a handful that showed up. Sergeant Major. Yeah. Sergeant Major Lisa Deer, you know, the top dog in the, in our enlisted rank. You know, that's a heck of a position to get. But this is a matriarch society. Yep. You know, the women run the show. So why not put them on the pedestal? It doesn't have to be the guys because we all served, you know. Yeah. It should be shared. You know, they're military, we're military, regardless of, you know, what your your sexuality is, you know. Uh, it should be uh, an honor for anyone. And uh, I just felt for a long time that we, you know, we knew they were there, but, you know, we needed to make that push to say, hey, you know, they're not just there. They served. Mm -hmm. It was time. And actually, when I think that was two years ago that we did that. I think so. There was like so many female veterans that came out that day and it was like, I was excited. Like, yeah, it's going to, you know, this is going to make them come back every year. But yeah. I mean, I know last year due to COVID, you know, it, it didn't, mm -hmm. we weren't able to, but that's why I'm hoping if you're coming for a ceremony, say Remembrance Day or for a funeral, you don't have to drink. Like, you know, it's not, you come out, you do it. You have a water. You mm -hmm. just, just 
to be with the other veterans, just to sit there and, and be part of it. Yeah. And that's why my big thing is I would love to see more female veterans come out, you know. This is the call. Yeah. I mean, I put it out there two years ago and I'll put it out there again, you know, when, when it's, when there's a time for veterans, we should all come together, reunite, you know, and, and just pay respect to, to, you know, our, our fallen uh, veteran. That's because now the way it is, we're losing older veterans hmm. and the membership is, is, is dwindling for senior branch. Okay. And now it's the younger ones. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm all that young, but I think it's, it's our duty now because in years time, who knows who's going to be running the Legion? Like, yeah. you know, who, who's going to be the president in that? Because we're not all here forever. You know, it's each day is. We lose more. Yeah. Right? We lose more every day. And like I said, this year we lost five. So, I mean, that's as far as our numbers are concerned, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, you guys do great work with the Legion. You've done amazing work in your service. Thank you for for all of your time and, and your commitment to serving. And thank you for being here today. Uh, like you said, to to honor the women and all the veterans. I'm so grateful to have had the both of you. That's why she's the first vice. <laughs> <laughs> so just now we'll go for all your service and your time and for being here today. Yo. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening. I'm Abigail Jacobs with Your DWSA Profiles. Stay up to date with all Your DWSA podcasts, including The Lead, Front Page, The Cycle, and Profiles by following the Yoriwase podcast channel on Apple, Spotify, and Google. This project has been made possible by the Community Media Strategic Support Fund, offered jointly by Official Language Minority Community Media Consortium and the Government of Canada. views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your DWSA and its employees.